Welcome to Falls Church. Uh, my name is Minnie. I am one of the pastors here. Today we are in a series of Revelation for Christmas, part four. I'm going to walk through the Revelation for Christmas through the lens of joy for Advent. I would like to invite you to take a look of the video art here, created by Michael, Michael, Michael. This is actually the 99th art show that Michael and I curated. Um, the exhibit title is called Joy, which um, synchronized with the theme of um, joy for Advent tonight. Before I walk through the scripture with you, let's look at another art. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> this is perhaps the most talked about artwork of 2019. Um, it's only 10 days left, so I guess it will be <laughs> the winner. <laughs> it's a banana, a conceptual work of art that tapes a banana with a duct tape to a wall. Maurizio Catalan is an artist, an Italian artist. Um, he accomplished a great work rarely achieved by any other artist than Bansi, I guess. He created an art piece that provokes debate and discussion around the globe. So the title of this work is called Comedian. It debuts at Art Basel, Miami Beach, and sells for $120,000. You know what? A New York-based performance artist named David Detuna ate the iconic banana right at the middle of the <laughs> Art Basel and said, it tastes good. So the banana art has got viral. It offers an ironic commentary on the society. So people around the world are aware of that uh, absurdity. I saw my friends, some of my friends, taped a banana to a tree, and many people taped themselves on a floor and imitate this art and post to social media to parody, to parody this um, artwork. I think this is phenomenal as an artwork. It's such a remarkable, extraordinary artwork that shakes the art world. But do we just look at its appearance? Maybe there's a concept behind this contemporary artwork. Should we appreciate the level of symbology and metaphor of this image? Why would the artist do this? What is he thinking about? What's the message behind the artwork? The artwork really reminds me of the scriptures that we're going to talk about, the book of Revelation. What's it all about? John is using apocalyptic symbols and biblical metaphor to describe and express the events, convictions, and the visions in the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is an apocalypse of hope, joy, and love. Well, we talk about that hope, love, and also peace. It starts with realistic recognition of oppression and suffering, then moves through images of struggle and conflicts, and ends with an image of an ultimate victory a victory for God, for humanity, and for all that is really good. You might wonder why we choose to preach Revelation for Advent. 
what is it related to the celebration of the birth of Christmas? As we are talking about Christmas, the birth of Jesus, right? We cannot talk about Jesus' birth by ignoring his death and his resurrection. And of course, we cannot talk about Jesus' resurrection without his return, the second coming of Christ. So this is a total package. In Isaiah 7, 14, it foretold who would be the mother of Jesus Christ. Isaiah 9, 6 foretold that Jesus would come as a baby. And in Micah 5, 2, Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. In Jeremiah 33, 14 to 16, refer to the promise of God made to Jerusalem that would send a Messiah to the world. Actually, if you look at the Bible, throughout the Old Testament, each of the book actually tells us something about Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior. As we're talking about Christmas, the birth of Jesus, we're talking about Sorry. <laughs> um, the first coming of Jesus Christ. And then we're actually waiting for Christ's return. It is the good news of Christmas, past, present, and the future. We are part of the same sovereign event. So when Christmas draws closer and closer, we joyfully look forward to a celebration of Jesus' birth. It was a past event. We look back at the blessed event and rejoice in a promise fulfilled. We're so happy that, wow, God's promise is fulfilled. A Savior was born. We feel how people around 2,000 years ago felt. God's people waited in joyful expectation. And now when we take time to reflect on what God has done for us, it is inevitable response of our souls is joy. So in Revelation 12, 1 to 6, let's look at the scripture. A great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain, and she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on its heads. Its tails swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour her child the moment she was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who ruled all the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. The woman fled into the wilderness to a place prepared for her by God, where she might be taken care of for 1,260 days. So woman is described as giving birth to a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. The language here makes it clear that Jesus Christ is the child. And Jesus is the one who is prophesied to strike the nations. 
and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron, which is also echoing with Psalms 2.9 as well. He is the one who, after his resurrection, was taken up in a cloud of heaven, which is also appeared in Acts 1.9-11. So the joy of Christmas is coming from God's promise. God had made a promise for everyone, and it was documented from the Old Testament all the way to the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. The joy of Christmas is coming from God, who so loved the world and he gave his only son to the world so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. This is the promise from God. The joy of Christmas is that Jesus Christ paid the price for peace by coming to the world humbly in a manger to serve us as a servant and to live a righteous life and to obey God's will. And then he go to the cross and die for us. That's the peace that was announced to the shepherds by the heavenly angels. That's the love by the work of Christ. And that's the hope because Christ will come again. So while we are celebrating Christ's first advent, the birth of Christmas, the birth of Jesus, we are actually at the same time experience the joy of its fullness as Christ's second advent. So we are looking at the historical reality of the fact that Jesus Christ was born, and when Christ returns, he will bring everlasting joy to us, eternity. We are living in between the two advents of Christ the first advent and the second advent. We have hope thinking of this eternity, the eternal peace. But while we're waiting for the second coming of Christ, we're living in a broken world with broken relationships, with all the sorrows and sufferings. We will experience death. We mourn and we will grieve. But the hope is that we'll finally restore our relationship with God. In Revelation 21, 1 to 8, let's look at the scripture. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. So in John's symbolic vision of the second coming of Christ, he, was, he saw a new heaven and a new earth. 
Then Revelation 22, 1 to 3, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing for the nation. No longer will be there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve them. That's a vision. There's a vision of the new Garden of Eden. We're not looking back to the old Garden of Eden, but a new one. There's the eternal life with God. It gives us a vision, a metaphor, a portrait to imagine eternity with God. This is the image echoing all the way back to Genesis. We imagine the tree of life. Are there? Eternally yields fruits? And we can access to the eternal river. However, it's not just the return to the old garden. We are in a new creation. This depiction as a marriage of heaven and earth is a stunning picture, a collage of the Old Testament and the Revelation metaphors. All things will be made new. Death will be replaced by life. Our joy and hope are about being with Jesus, to walk with God. Death will no longer separate people from God. We will be with Jesus after death. The hope of one day will be with Jesus. That's the joy of the second advent, is that we're anticipating, we're expecting for the reunion, the the, uh, restoration, and the reconciliation with God. This is so much joy when you're expecting something good to happen. It is such a blessing, right? It's like when we receive God's blessing together as we wait in faith and hope for the birth of a child. I can relate that because when I was pregnant expecting Michaela, I learned to be prepared. I read books and browsed the internet and tried to prepare myself as much as I can for all that awaits, you know, labor, life with a newborn, breastfeeding, raise a child, etc., etc. But no matter how much I prepared, how much I browsed from the internet, there are certain things, there are uncertainties that I can never be ready for. But knowing that the Lord will provide and that he has a plan in it all, I'm saved. (laughs) It's easy to want to skip the labor and the discomfort and jump ahead to see the baby. How great is that? But I remember that Michael and I were taking daily pictures on the same spots with the same post every day for almost like 200 and something days, 230 days maybe, (laughs) every day doing the same thing. And on the third day after Michaela was born, I carried Michaela's in my arm and standing at the same spot with Michael and Michaela so that, well, it makes everything so worth it. So after all the await, after all the expectation, and now I know I got this picture, 
with Michaela and Michael. If I knew that I took this family photo after 10 months of pregnancy, I should have slowed down and enjoyed every moment, the precious time when I was pregnant. Don't, don't need to be wary, right? But if we know the outcomes, we should have embraced the moment, but sometimes we don't know. It is because we are part of the sovereign plan that we should prepare a joyful heart. Prepare a joyful heart for the second coming of Christ. We don't have to worry because the picture is already ahead. We see the imagery. We see the images that what will be happen when there is um, the second coming of Christ. So during the season from Advent to Advent, we are not only taking time to prepare for the coming of our newborn king, but also awaiting his return. We should try to direct our moments of uncertainty to moments of prayers, to silent reflection for all of the blessings we have been given and could never deserve. We are striving to live life for him with all our hearts, all our minds, all our strengths. The season between the first Advent and the second Advent is far more sweet than ex expectant mother. We yearn with excitement for the moment to come, and at the same time, we have new challenges, new uncertainties, new disappointments to face why we're expecting. With the expectation of what is going on to come, it will be all worth it. We should have trust in that. When we think about one day, we'll be with Jesus Christ. When we think about that promise, there's nothing to worry about. With the awareness of what it is to come, the future reality, it will help us in our present life. Whatever the difficulties you have to walk through, like failed relationships, disappointments, with the work workplace maybe, physical sickness, financial issues. Whatever happened in your life right now, it will be all right if we trust in God's promise. That Jesus Christ will return. We are waiting, expecting him to come anytime. We all know that God is good, so good. In his goodness, he allows rough time tough things to happen. At the same time, he gives us the grace to rock, walk through it. That's always safer from pain and hardship. And as we know that, there is an ultimate saving of that, an ultimate healing of pain. He will wipe every tear from the eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying or pain for the older things has passed away. The knowledge of the return of Christ saved us to walk through rough times, and that is in God's agenda. When things get really rough, and stay for a long time maybe, we sometimes feel pushed to believe that the world and everything in it are going to pieces. That kind of despair can tempt up to give up the joy and the hope. The book of Revelation invites us to hold the belief that by the grace of God, we are going to a new Eden. That beliefs give us the hope we need to enable us to keep on trying, never give up. 
because we have the hope to experience the joy at Christ's second advent that will bring eternal peace on earth, this hope, the expectation, affects my life here and now. It's not about the future, it's about here. You might have heard people saying that I don't celebrate Christmas. They might have gone through a very dark, dark and hard time. Maybe they're planning funerals instead of celebrating Christmas. Maybe they go through pain, grief, tragedies in their life. Many people might have tears streaming while singing Christmas carols. But while we are singing, hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king, our Emmanuel. It reminds me that the name given to the Son of God, Emmanuel, which means God with us. He is with us in our worst moments and situations. Now, the most joyful Christmas is that we take time every day to invite God to be with us, Emmanuel. In our failure, in our busyness, tiredness, and loneliness, our world is broken and we are in our mess. Are we all in our mess in some way? But Christmas gives me hope and fills us with joy because God with us in our mess. God invites us to have a deeper relationship with Him if we, have, if we haven't been doing so. We're looking forward to seeing the return of Christ, the second advent. We don't have a timeline yet, but it is sure that in between the two advents, the word Emmanuel, God is with us. So now, um, I, I got a question to ask you. So my question is that, how do you prepare your heart and mind in between the two advents? How to prepare him room, like the songs we just sang? Joy to the world, prepare him room. We can think about this later. Now I'm going to close with a prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Christmas is learning that hope and love are greater than despair. Please guide us to show mercy, love our neighbors as ourselves, pray for others, share hope, find beauty in the midst of the brokenness, try to forgive, be a peacemaker, give thanks, share the good news, prepare him room, comfort those who mourn. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.